think we can all agree that the brain is the most important and perhaps the most fascinating part of our bodies and no matter what we do and even when we are not doing anything the brain is always involved it's constantly doing something behind the scenes in fact right now when i'm talking about it and you are listening and we both are trying to make sense of this brain if you think about it it's really the brain's attempt to understand itself and uh, whether we want it or not it's always there it's pretty much the central figure in our existence so therefore understanding the brain from neuroscience's point of view is quite interesting and that's why i've got this book for you which is called no prizes for guessing it's called the brain with the subtitle the story of you which i think is truly apt it's written by david eagleman the author in this book has tried to make sense of the brain in a very easy and uh, comprehensible language and uh, it's an attempt to explain the brain as well as the brain science because this brain science is involved in almost everything even when you're sleeping and watching the dreams the brain is involved and we can understand it through brain science and this book will make you question some of the most fundamental things in your life the kind of things we assume in our day-to-day lives and don't really question in fact it will make you question the reality and your own identity and uh, the book starts right away from the question of self who am i or who are you and uh, the author explains very interesting point about the human brain something you would have noticed already we know that uh, unlike animals which are pretty much self dependent as soon as they are born they can move around they they are very well equipped with certain skills human beings and human babies they are very vulnerable and it takes a lot of effort and time before they can function on their own at this point i'm reminded of uh, rudyard kipling's jungle book where they talk about animals being strong and human beings being really weak but the mo- more than the question of strong or weak it's a question of adaptation and we know through evolution that human beings are really adaptable to different situations different climates and different natural surroundings what does that mean that means that uh, in most of the animals cases the brains come prepared for a particular kind of weather particular kind of situation and they can't really survive if if the 
given environment does not suit that particular body or brain but in case of human beings whether that human being is born in a desert or a mountain in different climatic conditions that baby can survive and most likely will survive because the human brain comes unfinished and uh, a lot of completion takes place as the brain or the being human being enters this world so if the child is born in a desert where the temperature is very high the child will slowly learn to adapt itself to that weather unlike many animals who would probably not survive similarly if you talk about skills a lot of animals they right away as soon as they are born they can walk they can swim but in human beings you see skills can be taught and of course there is this inherent proclivity towards certain things for example certain skills let's say language everybody has this proclivity towards language but the unfinished part of the brain what how it helps us is that we as kids could learn pretty much any language in the world similarly when it comes to sounds we can produce all kind of sounds and eventually the child learns to discard certain other sounds which are foreign to that child and is which sounds are not used in the mother tongue and gets used to the sound those sounds and gets comfortable in those sounds which are part of the mother tongue so that's how this brain functions but we have to notice that uh, it's not about the brain structure per se or the brain cells it's how those cells are connected how those neurons connect these cells how these brain circuits are made that thing happens as the child grows and these connections are made which not only teach the child to learn new skills but also give emotional intelligence shape the identity of that child and uh, pretty much determine the kind of life that child is going to live so in other words while we can say that a lot of animals are hardwired there is no or very limited hardwiring as such in human beings instead there is live wiring that we are constantly evolving and learning new things and our brain is adapting accordingly in fact this goes on throughout our lives of course it happens mostly in our childhood but the brain's plasticity is such that we can create new neural connections throughout our lives and which is why when it comes to certain impairments or certain challenges in mental or emotional health certain techniques like meditation and in some cases certain medications they can change this connection at the same time this this focuses a lot on the vulnerability of the children and how many things we are supposed to teach to our children 
because the brain is unfinished in such a way that a lot of things particularly when it comes to emotions they are developed in the early childhood so the parenting it plays a huge role in human beings than any other species so for example uh, when children cry in childhood they are often crying to seek parents attention but if they don't get that desired attention it may happen in certain cases that they stop crying and in fact throughout their life they'll have a hard time shedding tears so this kind of emotional need and support that uh, our children deserve is often not required in many animals similarly the author talks about how the brain changes in the teen years when they are even more vulnerable and sensitive to the outside world they are kind of developing their identity so that self evaluation is really a high priority in their brain which is why you will find them often anxious and sometimes socially awkward too even hypersensitive in certain cases so that that really is more about the stage they are going through in the adolescent years and as i said of course throughout our life the plasticity of the brain plays an important role whether we want to learn a new skill or even if it is just about ourselves our own identity our own emotions and different parts of the brains they play important role like for instance memory plays a really important role in shaping our ideas our sense of self so then the author moves from this idea of self to the question of what is around us what is reality that we experience around us and he starts with uh, one of the fascinating questions that philosophers have often asked which is is reality real or is it just the illusion in some ways as we experience it it feels real but we see if we see it from the brain sciences point of view what really is happening is that you have a brain and you have sense organs the sense organs collect the information from outside and then brain gives it meaning or brain creates a picture of what is really happening so for example take at this point only the case of visual field or the vision let's say there is no other sense you're only seeing things so certain pieces of information is coming through your eyes and what is that information really the photons are coming to your eyes this is nothing but just the photons and uh, they are entering your brain and then your brain is creating an image or projection of that idea and then you see that outside and uh, 
you'll have a very different sense of reality if your brain was functioning any differently as it happens is in certain cases uh, often a tiny minority of the population sees certain colors differently or certain things differently and what do we say about that we can argue that there is some kind of chemical imbalance in their case but we can also argue that what we are seeing is also because of there is certain chemical composition in our brain and because of which it is creating that idea of reality so the author here gives the example of a person who was blind for most of his life and then through certain medical intervention he got his eyes eyesight back and then when he first opened his eyes and first tried to see things he could not understand anything he could not recognize anything for him it was just a bombardment of light coming from different sides and which is precisely what happens with kids when they are born they are not able to recognize what what really is going on outside but it's only when they start playing they start experimenting with different things their eyes get adjusted and their vision and the the idea of the world how they see it around themselves that gets clear so in other words reality that we witness around us it's once again not just a static phenomenon it's more like a skill on our part which we don't even realize but we are learning throughout our childhoods and uh, when we have got comfortable with that skill we don't even notice it what is happening we're just looking something we see something and we think it is there but more than that it's what our brain is making us see same thing we can talk about other senses and information coming through them so right now if you close your eyes and only focus on my voice what is it really it's a sensation a vibration that is traveling through air and reaching your ears and then creating a sense of words ideas and pictures in your head but is it really there it's just in your head besides we all are aware that uh, our senses have certain limitations for example they can hear the sounds of certain frequency they can uh, see light of certain frequency so which means there are plenty of things empty spaces a lot of things are there out in the world but we can't we just cannot witness them there is no access for us we can't even feel them so it's just a very thin slice of reality that we witness and we think this is real and even that thin reality that we witness out of all that is out there we witness it in our heads through our brains so the reality question is really fascinating 
And this gets even more fascinating when we bring time into it, our perception of time. And as you may have heard about it, when something really scary happens to us, let's say we are in, we are facing an accident, there's a car accident, and we are in the car, it's going to crash, and then suddenly time slows down for us. Our sense of reality changes, our sense of time changes. Because otherwise from the outside the time is remaining the same. But from our senses time as we experience it changes completely. So once again whatever we are experiencing even the question of time we really don't know. We cannot have absolute standards for it because our subjective experience can be so varied and all because of our brains. And then eventually author also talks about this important question of free will or uh, who's really driving our ship. Most of the time we have this image that we have this free will and uh, we are doing things what we like. Now if we want, I want to lift a cup of coffee right in front of me I'm going to do that that is according to my own will but if we look at it from the brain sciences point of view what is really happening is that there are two things one is the conscious brain and the other is the unconscious brain and the unconscious brain is something like when we are on the autopilot mode let's say things that we all always do and we are not really conscious of them but uh, even without noticing them we are doing that for example when you when you first learn to drive you have to focus on everything the gear the steering wheel the brakes and you're conscious of every little movement that you make but after years maybe today when you drove the car, you didn't notice anything from the office to your place or anywhere else. You drove the car without really noticing and you did it. And that is when our brain is in, is in kind of autopilot mode. We're not really thinking anything. It's just happening on its own. So that is mostly the unconscious part. But even if we talk about the conscious part, Let's say right now I want to do something or you want to do something. I ask you to think of any city, think of any alphabet. And you may say that out of your own free will, you are selecting a city or you're selecting an alphabet. But that is not really what is happening. What is happening is there are different points in your brains. One of them stores memory and all your options all your ideas most of them they are coming from your memory and even the selecting mechanism which we feel like that we are in control of is not really the case the neurons inside our body they are constantly doing this job for us so this is this has been proven in many cases for example in simple tasks 
when the participants in these studies they were shown certain colors and they had to raise their hands and let's say for if if they felt like uh, raising their left hand they'll first think it in their head and after a time um they will actually raise it so two interesting things happened one was the brain science was able to predict what they were going to do before they actually did it but in many cases they bluffed also they first thought that they were going to raise their left hand and then eventually raised right even then the brain science knew through the scans of their brain that this is what they were going to do so essentially what happens is these neurons they are doing their jobs beforehand and uh, while we are making choice or doing anything we're thinking that this is what we are doing but actually we are getting informed at that point and i know this is really really difficult to grasp so you might want to read um, other works on this argument like sam harris work on free will where he explains uh, how through neuroscience we can see that there is no free will as such but in in all these cases we can see whatever choices that we are making we are experiencing that for sure but uh, there are underlying mechanisms that are deciding for ourselves and which can be predicted if we have enough technology some people think that uh, this makes life really boring but the author repeatedly points out that our brains are so complex and our reality is so unpredictable that this will never be the case life will never be boring and even if we we agree that uh, it's not that we are deciding certain thing even then the unpredictability or the feeling of that choice that remains so then we come to the most difficult question where is this where is where is the place for consciousness and if you go by the author's answer it says that consciousness is a product of our brains and especially how they have evolved over millions of years so consciousness the author defines is something that we are conscious of things when we are seeing them probably for the first time we are learning a new skill when we are learning a new language then we are being conscious of it what does the the alphabet looks like what does the sound sound like but as soon as we learn that skill we don't even notice it and uh, it goes into the unconscious mode and we work on that autopilot as probably you are in this case because you are not uh, deciphering anything you're listening and simultaneously you can imagine what i'm saying but that won't work in other languages the languages that you don't know 
so you can see the brain is doing highly sophisticated functions probably the most complicated computational problems and we don't even notice it and while you were just listening and i was just speaking the brain was doing millions of calculations and that is why this artificial intelligence or robots they are so difficult to make because there are so many parallel signals that are involved in in achieving the smallest of things but look at us the smallest of things that we notice a simple gesture a sound for example if i laugh right now or cough right now or cry you'll immediately sense what's going on you'll immediately your brain will interpret it for you but a robot will have a very hard time understanding or making sense of all these different kind of so many signals that out that are out there and uh, let's talk about a cup of coffee that is right in front of me and uh, how i lift it and how i take a sip it's a very sophisticated thing to do a robot will struggle to do such a thing with the great precision if it can do that we'll say it's a wonderful wonderful robot but look how easily we do it all the time and that's the beauty of our brain isn't it